1: And if you're watching a test match and a momentum is, let's say, all the things at one point, and then Australia gets a wicket, it's a shift in momentum. And you can see the energy pickup of the, the bowlers and the players because they've noticed that they understand they've broken a pattern. So they've got momentum back on their side, so they go harder.
0: This is Property Invest Story where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode on Property Invest story, we're chatting with property developer Brendan Ansell. He will share his globe-trotting story from his childhood in South Africa to playing cricket in the UK to beginning work in finance and ultimately property. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free.
1: My name is uh, Brendan Ansel, I'm the uh, Managing Director of Velocity Property Group which is a listed property development company in a quick snapshot. I've got an interesting story, I arrived in Australia 20 years ago with $50 in a, a one-way ticket and um, yeah, I've spent the last 20 years going from uh, working in fish and chip shops to uh, now, now the managing director of a, a listed property company.
0: It's clear Ansel has come a long way. He's had a long-term fascination and dream of becoming a property developer.
1: I've always loved property. We, um, we did struggle financially in South Africa. We weren't, uh, you could say we were, we were lower, lower middle class. So, um, life was generally financially very much a struggle for us. But my, my mother wasn't in a part time interior decorator. And so I used to go with her to appointments and I used to see how the other side lived in, you know, very wealthy, um, mansions. So, um, I've always been fascinated by property and, and, aesthetically beautiful property so at Velocity Property Group, we focus on luxury high-end projects. You know, we don't do um, investment type properties and we don't do uh, lower price point uh, properties. Most of our stuff's a million dollars and up so yeah, I've always loved aesthetically pleasing properties and luxurious properties and, and, and now we create them.
0: So, what does a day in his life look like?
1: No day is even remotely the same as uh, the next. It's, um, um, I, I tend to be quite fluid now. Obviously, we have staff who are very specifically skilled in all their best their distinct roles. So I no longer have to be the, the everything to everybody. Um, so now, yeah, it's um, I'm trying to consciously create my day in a, in a specific order and, and we categorize. We, I divide my activities into three, three main um, lines of work. One is um, activities that create future opportunities and income. Uh, the second is activities that create income today or don't lose money today. So obviously problem solving, problem solving. And then the third is anything admin related or getting back to uh, people. So I prioritise my day in that order.
0: Encel grew up in South Africa, at a time when the country was going through a very volatile period.
1: I was at school during the changeover to democracy, which was uh, an exciting time and a and, you know a great time for for the country, but also very volatile, uh, lots of violence, lots of uh, sudden changes. So we went from a very strict militaristic style society to a completely open and free overnight. So. Uh, as a 16, 17-year-old, you can imagine the type of trouble you'd get up to once you suddenly got free reign in life. So, um, so yeah, we had some, some challenging few years with pretty much uh, very little structure, you could say.
0: The family's decision to move overseas was partially because of the violent uprisings taking place in their hometown.
1: No, we actually tried Canada first, so, um, but got rejected. Thankfully, because I'm not sure how it it'd be going now in minus 30 degrees. But um, but Australia is a very a very similar culture to South Africa in a lot of respects. You know, very similar weather, um, very similar sporting type culture. So, I'm, I'm thankful we got to come here because you know it's far easier to assimilate um, quicker and um, and build contacts and friends and stuff like that. So. You know, you don't have different language barriers and other other challenges. So, uh, specifically, what triggered us to come? Uh, yeah, dire financial circumstances and some very close calls from a, a violence point of view. Uh, I was 18 when we, um, well, my parents came first and got the required visas and that, and, uh, and then became shortly after.
0: He then settled onto the sporting culture in Australia for several years before making another important life decision.
1: I was also a reasonably good cricketer. So um, I played representative cricket in South Africa. Um, so I had to make a choice whether to stay and have a go for the professional professional teams. Um, but obviously the risk was, was high if you didn't make it. So I came to Australia specifically to make sure I could get the passport and visa stamp first before making any decisions. And then I actually ended up... I staying for about 80 months, two years, and I took off to uh, the UK to, to uh, uh, on a cricketing contract over there. And then, and then for the next five years, just pretty much split my time between the UK and New Zealand. I didn't have to work too much. I, I got I got paid to play, but um, accounting can, can't be a good thing, you know. I, I had a great time from pretty much 19 years old to 25. I pretty much got paid to travel the world. Didn't get a lot of money, it. You know, It wasn't as professional back then in the late 90s as as it it is now. So um, yeah, we uh, we had a lot of parties and uh, enjoyed ourselves as well.
0: Before moving back to Australia in 2002, at about 25 years old, his time in the UK opened up new doors for Ansel within the corporate world.
1: A very senior uh, manager high up in HSBC and investment banking gave me a job in London for for two years after I finished cricket, so that was a great uh, segue into out of cricket into um, a more professional environment. So I found in in that time in London, people didn't work very hard, um, so it was a great opportunity for me to to learn you know the game of investment banking as, as quickly as I could. And so I, I immersed myself in it and got my knowledge and skill set up in. Um, in you know banking and and uh, investment models and um, and I, I seemed seem to hit a wave then too in my mid mid twenties where I immersed myself in personal development as well. So I pretty much spent every waking moment learning everything I could from personal development to investing to property, and quickly found that property was sort of my um, you know, my original passion and and what I came back to. Uh, having worked in investment banking, the stock market made no sense to me, and and seemed to lack, um, you know, any form of real intrinsic value. So uh, I and obviously seeing people and clients lose the the shirt off their back pretty quickly was was interesting to see. So um yeah, property was was always my passion. So I, I reverted back to that, and I started buying property in Brisbane in um, while I was working in London. To, uh, I used that income to buy a property back here and thankfully that was you know, around about 2000, 2001 and 2002. So I bought properties generally in that Logan area quite cheaply and then the market went absolutely berserk in O three O four, and I thought I was a property genius. Meanwhile, all I did was buy you know, some cheap properties and they went up in value. There was no skill set in it.
0: The choice to move back to Australia was spurred by circumstances surrounding a terrifying world event.
1: I came back in 2002, shortly after September 11th, I was on the trading floor in in London when the we actually um, saw on TV the, the planes going into the buildings and half the stockbrokers on our floor, their phones cut out, they were actually on the phone to some of the trading floors in the, in the, in the tower so that was a, a bit of a shock and the, um, the US Embassy was next door to us so uh, I didn't really want to hang around too <laughs> too, too long. So I, I think I quit the next month and uh, spent 3 or 4 months travelling around Europe before coming back in uh, 2002.
0: Preferring Queensland to New South Wales, Ansel found it challenging to further pursue his career in banking so he began work in a different field.
1: I tried to get back into banking here. I was a bit surprised that um, um, my experience in London didn't, didn't seem to count for anything. But obviously, I wanted to come back to Brisbane as opposed to Sydney. Um, Brisbane's a very similar uh, climate and lifestyle to Durban, where I'm from, so I've always preferred Brisbane over Sydney. Um, so, yeah, and coming back to Brisbane, there was essentially no banking here at that time. And obviously, um, the early 2000s was a, was a challenging time as well. Um, there's very little work available or on the go. And then coming into 2003, four, the, um, the property market came off as well. So it was a challenging time to be in, be in Brisbane and get ahead. So I decided to, um, branch out and get into finance, um, as in, you know, mortgage broking and, and financing for, for other developers so I literally spent the next probably until 2000 and, what did I say 7, 8 yeah probably till about well I, I still have a share in, in the original finance business which has been managed by someone else now but up until about 5 years ago I pretty much spent 8, 9 years um, immersing myself in that and running my own business and <clears throat> that was excellent because I it was a great way to earn cash flow plus do your own small projects on the side and, and also learn lessons from our clients. You know? um, so I didn't have to go through those hard times myself.
0: Creating high-end luxury properties was something that always resonated throughout Ansel's journey even in his early days.
1: Even when I was um, doing the finance, I was still doing quality. Uh, Project I, I just never had that ability to try and you know purchase a block of land and build the cheap house i always wanted to try and spec it up or, or go for a higher price point. so you know even in you know even going back to you know, two thousand and nine two thousand and ten, I was doing splitters and hawthorne Balimba, those sorts of areas at, at a million plus then so it wasn't um, so we started that fairly early. But also my research told me that, you know, suburbs in, in Brisbane like Bulimba, Orkinflower, the, you know, the inner-city boutique, low-density suburbs maintain their values exceptionally well. They're desirable lifestyle areas, so, you know, I didn't see it as great risk to go into that price point. I, I saw it as less risky than the, some of the cheaper suburbs that were more susceptible to interest rate rises and, and other factors and supply. You know, he's constrained land supply in the, in the cities of, of, of Australia, so…
0: So, what did he do with his properties in Logan? In the end, he made the decision that felt right for this situation.
1: I just kept trading up. Um, and Interesting, I've had a, a very similar discussion this week with another chap I'm mentoring at the moment who is probably, you could almost identically put him in my spot back then in around 2002, 2003. And he, I've had this discussion this week already with someone else where uh, he's actively trying to become full-time in property but also hold on to properties along the way. And you know, unless you have a consistent cash flow, it's very, very difficult to do that. Yeah. And, and, and you hit the wall where you can just, no, no banks will lend you any money. So, no, I, I sold and, and kept trading up.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into Ansel's journey where we talk about how he changed his life through changing his way of thinking.
1: I believe there are some random aspects to life but there, we have a great element of control over it and you're exactly where you are based on your personal development and, and your internal belief system. So,
0: How he learned a valuable lesson from his worst property development moment?
1: It's understanding your own personal risk profile. What are you prepared to accept?
0: And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. Being brought up around parents who weren't involved in property, Ansel started at the bottom and worked his way up. He believes it all came down to taking control of his life and making a change.
1: They're not from that sort of um, uh, line of thinking. They still, they're in their 70s now, and they still work uh, quite hard in their uh, in the sort of auto electrical type business. So no, they've never, have never been invested. I don't, I don't. None of my family is from that, from that side. So no, I'm completely, completely 100% self-made. It's pretty hard to, obviously, as you can imagine, put 20 years of life experience into a short um, short uh, conference like this. But um, if I had to summarise how that happens, I could probably only say that uh, your mindset and your personal development dictates where you are in life. There's, I, I personally don't believe uh, it's, it's that random. I believe there are some random aspects to life, but we have a great elements of control over it and you're exactly where you are based on your personal development and, and your internal belief system so I, I didn't want that life, I wanted a better life so I learned what needed to be learned, To be, you have to become the person first, you know history will show that people that suddenly win money like a the or something generally in most cases lose it and end up in a worse position <laughs> than before because their skill set and their mindset haven't kept pace uh, with their wealth. So, you know, if somebody wants to get out of that position, and obviously I've always been a forward-thinking and forward-moving person. I I can't stand sitting still. I can't stand just going to the same mundane nine-to-five job every day and say this is my lot in life. I wasn't built that way. So I wasn't going to accept that. I was going to do whatever it took to to get out of those situations.
0: In terms of his worst investing moments, Ansel's strong-willed state of mind allows him to overcome his challenges and not dwell on them too freely.
1: I would call myself a very strong, resilient person. Uh, I tend not to be down too long. I don't allow myself to stay in that frame of mind for too long. So yeah, people no, I have challenges every day. I have them now. Your challenges never go away. They just change. So, you know, if anyone's expecting that, they'll become successful personal and life will be suddenly easy and you have no issues in life. Or, I'm sorry, that's not realistic. Um, some of my biggest challenges are now, not necessarily back in the past, you know, because we have a far greater responsibility now. Um, I do it for the love of the game, not, not for love of the game first and personal wealth second. So, when we, I was just on my own as a developer running my own company and making money or losing money, um, that was fine because there was always the next deals we're going to go into. It was a sort of creative process that gave me my, my energy. Now I've got a far greater responsibility of looking after thousands of shareholders' hard earned capital. So, it's, it's a different type of challenge. But if I go back to deals, thankfully I've only ever lost on one deal, and that was about $8,000. So, so my, my grounding in finance gave me the knowledge first before I went full-time into property. So I, was, I increased my knowledge base first before um, committing too heavily.
0: As it turns out, the deal he lost could have been a lot worse if he had continued with it, making the choice to cut his losses when it didn't work out.
1: I personally believe the ones you let go are more important than, than your wins. So even even stock market traders will tell you that. You minimise your losses and you ride your win. So when you have a property or a site and you know, you can see that the market's coming off rather than put your head in the sand and go, well, I'm just going to go and build this anyway and hope I can sell it at the end. You know, I've bought this site. I've got a DA for seven apartments. I'm sitting there looking and going, well, I can't build it. I can't build it. I'm not going to be able to sell these. The market's coming off. I've got my timing all wrong here. So, yeah, you got two choices. You push ahead and hope that it comes out of right. Well, I went, oh, there's an offer on the table. It's a small loss, and $8,000 is a small loss in the project if you're going to take a loss. Um, I'll, I'll take the sale and move on. But the key there for me was I went. I kind of went outside of my usual formula. Instead of sticking to premium high-end areas, of, you know, high-end Property for owner occupiers. I went out to the outer suburbs and tried to expand the number of properties I was doing. You know, going from two or three at a time to six and seven because I wanted to get to that next stage. I wanted to increase the size of my project. But went out to an outlying area where, you know, and the market's more volatile. It, it was probably one of the best decisions i ever made. I could have lost. I could have lost a million dollars and. You know, gone bankrupt or gone backwards and or eroded years of hard work. But it's very, very difficult to, for people to admit they made a mistake. It's very, it's very hard um, to to actually put your hand up and go, "I made a mess of this. I made a bad choice here. I've just got to suck up the loss and move on." And it doesn't matter if that's eight thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. If you can, if you can suppress your ego long enough to make calm, rational decisions for the long-term. Medium and long-term is thinking is exceptionally important in property because if you're constantly focusing on the medium and long-term, what you're trying to build, you don't mind taking that $8,000 loss. It's understanding your own personal risk profile. What, what are you prepared to accept? You know, If you're not prepared to accept any losses, when you get close to loss, you have to cut and run. If you're a person that has a higher risk profile, we well, you're happy to... Wait it out and see if the market recovers. Yeah, it may go up, it may go down. So, as I've become more successful, my risk profile has actually dropped.
0: When considering the aha moments where everything fell into place for Ansel, his top three were centered on the philosophy of momentum.
1: I've always really understood momentum. Momentum is, and that probably comes from a sporting background, playing cricket and going through long periods of time, you really get and go and sit and watch a test match and you'll see momentum change. And if you're watching a test match and mo- momentum is let's say all the things at one point and then Australia gets a wicket, it's a shift in momentum and you can see the energy pickup of the, the bowlers and the players because they've noticed that they understand they've broken a pattern. So they've got momentum back on their side so they go harder. The bowler doesn't relax and go, i oh, go a weekend, i look good on the scoreboard, I'm just going to chill out for the next few overs and bowl medium pace. They go harder, so they understand momentum. So when you get an opportunity or you meet a person or something that's really good value for you, don't go on holiday for a week. You know, go harder. You can go holiday later.
0: The first important moment for him was when the GFC hit and he had to make a choice between doing the right thing or turning a blind eye.
1: Uh, during the GFC, you know everybody had severe problems. I had a lot of property. Interest rates went through the roof. I was really getting squeezed. Cash flow was dropping. Expenses were going through the roof. And I had a situation where I had a small project in Blimber, um, and I got right to the stage of starting to about to start construction, and I just went, I can't do it. Everything's going bad in business and property. I can't build these. I've got to pull back. So obviously going to that builder, who's very, very disappointed, um, I asked them, I think I had about $15,000 in cash left. I asked them what expenses that, that they had incurred to date. So I had a choice then. I could just walk away, save my fifteen grand, look after myself, and I thought there's something in this. There's a pivotal moment here that is something relevant to me. And if I do this, I'm going to be confident I'm going to be rewarded for this. I paid him twelve and a half thousand to make sure that they incurred no loss. And I went right down to my last two and a half thousand dollars, which is a tough thing to do. I just had a, I just had a strong intuitive feeling that I needed to do that, that that action took me to another level that I was I could, you could shift your thinking from self-preservation to a more abundant big picture thinking, so it was a pivotal moment that builder has completely missed the lesson completely. They just took the money and ran. That's all right, <laughs> so it's not my job to you know they didn't they didn't understand how unique that choice was and how big it was because the people would have been stiffing them left, right and center.
0: Another pivotal moment came when he met an influential person who would have a positive impact on the evolution of his mindset.
1: Second is meeting uh, one of my current mentors who's you know, close to being a billionaire at the moment, who is also a migrant, uh, a very relevant, I wanted to you know, I wanted to choose mentors that were relevant to my situation and migrants are very, very successful in Australia for, for obvious reasons. Um, so he's a migrant and he was essentially broke at late 40s, 50 years old and started again from scratch and has built, pretty much built a, you know, a billion dollar empire So, in, inside 20 years. So um, I listened to him talk at an event and I knew there were probably a thousand people there and I thought, oh, I think everyone's going to pepper him after this. I'd just be, yes, another number of people ringing him, asking him if they can catch up. So I thought, I need to think differently. I so said, I actually rang his office and I said to his secretary, I'm making a $1,000 donation to his charity now. I would like to meet him for an hour, but there is no obligation. I'll make the donation anyway. And that that singular event made me stand out above all the people ringing him, just asking him for something. And he actually called me in for a, for a meeting. And then, then it's proceeded to keep in touch, and I've spent a bit of time with them. I've played golf with them, and the time I've spent with them has completely raised my ceiling on what is, what's possible. When I first met him, I was doing little six packs, seven packs of units, and then through a little bit of interaction, I've gone, he has created a billion dollar empire in 20 years. There's no skill set difference between him and I. There's only a mindset difference. So what I took from that is I raised my ceiling massively and I'm I'm not going to put a ceiling on. I want to see how far we can go with this. Can we become the biggest uh, property company in Australia? we, We decide.
0: The third aha moment for Ansel fell into place at a tipping point where things shifted as a consequence of a significant decision he made.
1: And then the third event was I wanted to think how I could expand much bigger and faster and the only way is uh, access to larger amounts of capital and bringing on powerful joint venture partners. So I very fortunately happened to meet a gentleman from Singapore who was out on holiday and got introduced by a mutual friend and just happened to be that pivotal moment in time where um, – and actually I had a choice because I was in walking down Oxford Street with my son, like going for a beer, and she rang me and said, this gentleman's out from Singapore. We're actually down the street in Bulimba. Do you want to meet up? So, you got a choice. You can go, no, no, I'm going to go um, have a beer with my mates, or I can go meet a business contact. So, I asked somebody to look after my son, and uh, I went and met him. So, if I didn't go to that meeting, you know, it would have been a radically different outcome. So, I met him, and their group from Singapore came out to view a project with us. And about two months later, they'd committed to a $20 million project, which up until that point my largest product was probably seven or eight million so I went to another level straight away and that has triggered a series of events of access to large amounts of capital through Singapore and then to become a listed company so there's three very key pivotal moments there but intuitively I could I could recognize them the importance of them at the time and didn't you know committed to doing it I didn't Go and, go and play golf or do something else and get to that later. I'll, I'll place them as high priority.
0: So, inspired by Ansel's story and his pivotal aha moments, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Invest Story. We'll talk about his strategy for property investing.
1: Before you even get to that, it helps you get to your journey faster by having as much clarity as you can what you're trying
0: to do. The success habits that have contributed to his success.
1: I would say I'm more of an intuitive person and I feel, I feel in the moment and time of what actions and courses to, to take.
0: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email. You can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies, and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.